Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Rob O'Hare. Sprite Castle. Hello, and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode, we will be discussing California games. We got a little bit of feedback and a little bit of news to cover before we get to this week's game, so let's run through Paperboy's headlines. You see what I did there? Paperboy is a, a game. He delivers news and, yeah, newspapers. Okay. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle's been on a little bit of a hiatus, and by a little bit, uh, I think it's about eight months. But uh, what's eight months between friends? I am uh, retooling the show ever so slightly. I'm cutting out some of the segments that I don't think worked. I am dumping the uh, opening haiku that doesn't seem to be a uh, favorite segment of anybody's, and I am dumping the Mach 5 speed round, which was a segment in which people submitted uh, questions about this week's game that I would answer in a rapid-fire format, but unfortunately nobody ever submitted any questions. (laughs) Uh, So most of the questions were made up. And, uh, anyway, that didn't seem to go over great. So we're doing a little bit of streamlining here in the castle. Sometimes there's upkeep that has to go in the castle cobwebs have to be swept out and, and, uh, things have to be made to run a little smoother. So that's what we're doing around here. Uh, in Commodore 64 news, uh, the headline that grabbed my attention this week is the, Release, well, I don't know that it's out yet, but uh, I read a review of it. It is the UK-1541. That stands for, uh, if, you, if you're familiar with the Ultimate 1541, the U, this is the Ultimate Killer 1541. So that is a pretty aggressive name. And I got to tell you, if you are a Commodore 64 owner and you use your Commodore 64 more than, oh, once a month, let's say, Uh, or even more than once every six months or something. If you sit down occasionally at a Commodore 64 and you like to play games or whatever, I think the Ultimate 1541 is indispensable. I mean, it is a uh, 1541 drive emulator that will load D64, G64, program files, whatever you can find, more or less. Uh, Cartridges, even. Uh, You can put them on an SD card put that into the U1541 and play them directly on your Commodore without converting things, without things not working. And I'm not going to say it's a hundred percent compatible, uh, but I will say it is 99 point something percent compatible. I mean, uh, you have to really go searching to find things that are not compatible with the ultimate 1541. Uh, so to come out and name your product, the ultimate 1541 killer, uh, that is a pretty bold statement, and um, uh, it does look like it has some neat features. There is a built-in LCD screen in which you can pick disc images. It looks like using the joystick. Uh, it looks like right now it is only compatible with uh, D64 images, but they may be expanding that in the future. So I'll be keeping an eye on it, but I, I have to say it would have to do something really extraordinary uh, for me to give up my... Uh, Ultimate 1541. But anyway, uh, there is a review of the UK 1541 
on uh, IndieRetroNews.com, and I will post a link to that on the show notes. The show notes are located at SpriteCastle.com, in case you don't know. Uh, or you can find some information from the team developing this over at uh, UK1541 Drive on Facebook. So if you just search for uh, – actually, I searched Google for UK1541, and that Facebook page was uh, one of the top hits. So if you want to find out more about that, uh, I'll be following that here in the near future. I did get some feedback uh, from the last show. I know it's been a while, but I got an email uh, from a listener named Ricky who said he just found the podcast today, which, by the way, just finding it today means he found it uh, last May. And he started listening to the back episodes of Sprite Castle. So he says, good job on the on the uh, podcast, and he enjoyed uh, watching the YouTube videos. If you don't know, Sprite Castle started life as a uh, YouTube, uh, a tube cast, I think we called it, um, and I gave up on that and switched back to a... Uh, more podcast friendly audio format. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's easier for people to listen to on the go. It's easier, uh, if you're at work or if you're exercising with headphones or driving in your car. And it's certainly, uh, from a selfish standpoint, much easier to produce than a video show. That turned out to be a lot of work. Um, but his question is, what is the name of the SID tune that is played at the end? of the first audio episode of You Don't Know Flack, which uh, that was the episode that I reviewed the game Pirates. And so Ricky has stumbled across one of the show's little secrets uh, that I put in there. Occasionally I put little Easter eggs in the shows. Uh, and at the end of every episode of Sprite Castle, you will hear a song that does not directly come from the game that I have reviewed, but somehow relates to the show's theme. Uh, and since Ricky asked, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the first four were. Uh, the song uh, that played at the end of episode one, which uh, I covered, that was uh, Sid Meier's Pirates, was an 8-bit version of the Pirates of the Caribbean theme. See, it's it's pirates and pirates. Uh, the closing song at the end of episode two, Winter Games, was Walking in a Winter Wonderland. The song at the end of episode three, uh, that was uh, Bruce Lee, was Turning Japanese, which, by the way, if you listen uh, to that episode, you'll hear lots of uh, jokes back and forth between uh, Chinese and Japanese and how those things, uh, people confuse those two. So that was kind of a, a reference and a joke. Uh, and the song at the end of the last episode, that was episode four uh, for Hero, was Bonnie Tyler's song, Holding Out for a Hero, uh, from the Footloose soundtrack. So that brings us to this new segment, feature, whatever you want to call it, of Sprite Castle. I will continue to do that. And the first person who correctly identifies the song at the end of each episode and contacts me will be named the honorary king of the castle for an episode. So once you hear and identify the song at the very end of the podcast, you can send me the name of that song, uh, either send it to me on Twitter and which I am at Commodore, uh, or send it to the Facebook page, which is uh, Sprite Castle. So either, uh, follow me on Twitter or go find the uh, Sprite Castle Facebook page. Uh, send me in one of those two places. And if you're the first person, you will be named the honorary king of the castle for the next episode, which I think we can all agree is probably a life changing event. Uh, one episode that I talked about dropping from the show last time, and I got a lot of feedback asking me to keep it, is Talking Snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking Snack. 
As I mentioned on the last episode, I said that I might drop the food segment. Uh, Talking Snack is a segment in which I uh, talk about a snack that I'm eating that somehow relates to the game that I'm playing. Uh, I got This is just a few of the comments I got. I got a comment from Pete who says, save the clock tower. I mean, save the food segment. Call it Snack Talk or Smack Talk. I'm joking. The name is okay. Great episode as always. So thanks, Pete. Uh, Kevin McLaughlin, who uh, is a supporter of all the podcasts. Podcast I'm on, and I love uh, Kevin. He always uh, gives honest feedback, and he always keeps us honest whenever something breaks on uh, throwbacknetwork.net. Kevin usually spots those things before we do. Uh, he says, keep the food segment in Sprite Castle. That's nice and simple, and uh, I always appreciate Kevin's feedback, so that is a good vote uh, for keeping this. Mike, that cool guy, says, I'm cool with the food segment. Just don't start eating while you're doing the podcast. I think that is fair. That is a fair request. Um, and I don't think that I've ever actually eaten during – now, I have eaten on when I'm on other people's podcasts, but I, I always try to mute the mic. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I'm not eating uh, this morning, but I am, if you can hear this right here, having the world's worst coffee. My wife is out of town, and I thought, how hard can this be? We got a new coffee maker, and I put some coffee in it. And uh, when it was done, I put some creamer in here. Uh, and a little bit of sweeter. And my God, is this terrible coffee? This is absolutely, it tastes like <sighs> burnt wood bark. <laughs> uh, hot burnt wood bark. It's terrible. And so uh, my wife gets home, uh, tonight or tomorrow and, um, can't wait for that first good uh, cup of coffee. And next time, Flack will take notes on how the new coffee maker works. So, no eating during the show. Occasionally, there may be coffee sipping, depending on uh, when I record. Uh, and finally, I did get a response from my old buddy, Ferg. You know Ferg from the 2600 Game by Game podcast. Uh, Ferg says he seconds uh, that we should keep the food segment, but please, no chewing on the mic. Again, another valid suggestion. So, um, Now, I did have a little bit of a hard time picking something this week while I sat down to play California games. Uh, my initial thought was to get a California roll, but I did sushi on the last episode with Bruce Lee. Uh, so I went back to the well, and I decided to get a California club. And I actually thought everybody in the world knew what a California club was. But uh, when I mentioned that on Twitter, Ferg responded and said that he had never heard of one. So a California club is basically uh, like a Subway-type sandwich. Uh, it's a BLT, more or less, with the turkey, avocado, uh, and then bacon on it. And, so, uh, and the place near me also puts, um, I don't know what it is, like little sprout things on there and mayonnaise. It's really good. I really like uh uh, California clubs. There's a, uh, independent food place next to me called food factory, which makes really good sandwiches. And I always want to call them uh, fear factory. That's <laughs> yes. Fear factory, which has nothing to do with food factory, but, um, they're so close together. I always want to call that. But anyway, I, I uh, did pick up California club the other day from food factory, uh, and played some California games and it was both the sandwich and the game were fantastic. So since we cannot all share this week's food, at least we can share this week's game, which is California games.
California Games was published for the Commodore 64 in 1987 by Epix. It is a game for one to eight players that uses joystick controls. The music you heard is the song Louie Louie. When you boot the game up, you see a license plate from California that says games. So it says California and games. And you're greeted with uh, Louie Louie with the opening credits. Um, the menu music is great. Uh, you have the same type options. I will talk a little bit about those, but for all the Epics type games, uh, which is you can compete in all some or one event. You can practice an event, view high scores or view the title screen in which you will get to see that license plate and listen to Louie Louie again. California games comes towards the end of uh, Epic's run of Games Games, if that's the right way to say that. They started off with Summer Games from 1984. Summer Games 2 and Winter Games were released in 1985. In 1986, we had World Games, and then California Games comes in 1987. Now, there were uh, two games in 1988 called the Games Summer Edition and the Games Winter Edition, which were basically updated versions of summer games and winter games. Uh, and then finally, we have California Games 2, uh, which was not released for the Commodore 64. California Games 2 came out, uh, was released for DOS in 1990. It came out for the Amiga, the Atari ST, and the Super Nintendo in 92, and the Sega Master System in 1993, but no Commodore release for that. Here is the introduction from California Games Manual. Hey, Thrasher, don't you ever wear knee pads? Did you see that? He caught some air on the half pipe. Radical. Welcome to California, home of the most radical sports in the world. Rad, bad, and aggro. You're about to hit the beaches, parks, and streets of the Golden State to go for trophies and everything from surfing to bike racing. California Games gives you the hottest sports and the most aggro competition. You even get to pick your own sponsor. So pull on those knee pads. You're about to get into the most fun you've had since mom hid your skateboard. California Games is going to take you from the surf to the turf, from the pipe to the parks. Are you going to love it or what? We'll start you off in the heart of Hollywood with skateboards and hot competition on the radical half pipe. Then we'll rock it up to San Francisco for the high-flying foot bag and some really wild footwork. After that, it's down to the beach for two of the coolest sports we've got in California. There's an awesome roller skating obstacle course, followed by the king of coastal competition, surfing. You'll be shooting the tube and carving the biggest breakers around. That sounds like an attack on breakdancers if you're... Uh, over at the dirt track, you'll pump the pedals of a BMX racing bike, and your moves had better be bad. For the grand finale, you'll go to Yosemite, where you'll be flinging the fantastic flying disc. That's six massive events. You're going to have your hands full, not to mention your feet. You're about to get into the wildest game of them all, California Games. It's only, like, the most totally awesome game in the world. So there's the introduction to California games. Obviously, uh, the setup is you're going to California. There are six events you can compete in. Um, you'll note that uh, Epic's really tried to hip up uh, the manual here with lots of terminology. In fact, there is a glossary that I will be talking about towards the end of the manual to introduce you uh, to some of these new hip terms. Uh, right off the bat, you can see that... Uh, 
Epics was uh, trying to tie these sports together. Uh, they were also trying to tie into that culture. And this is uh, definitely a that time. You know, this is 1987. So all these, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing um, huge skateboarding is big. Uh, surfing is being uh, shown on ESPN. Skateboarding is on uh, ESPN, you know. So these are all uh, definitely big uh, cultural events that are taking place. And so this is a good way to um, to tie into that. Now, in the other games, like in summer games and winter games and world games, uh, you pick countries that you would like to represent. Like you can be United States or Japan or whoever. Um, but in California games, uh, instead of picking countries, you pick sponsors. And so all the sponsors in the game are actual real companies. So you can be sponsored by Del Mar, or Kawasaki, Santa Cruz, uh, Ocean Pacific, Casio, which I thought was an interesting one. But uh, later on, we see a lot of the events that have time, uh, like clocks, are uh, have the word Casio on them. So I suppose that's the uh, Casio time in. Uh, like I said, you can uh, compete in all, some, or one event. You can practice one event. You can view the high scores. Um, the difference between uh, competing and practicing is if you compete, you can only do the event uh like one try at the event, but if you get a high score, it gets saved to the high scores. If you are practicing an event, you can do the event over and over and over, but your scores will not be saved. There are six events, as I mentioned. You have the half-pipe skateboard event, the footbag event, surfing, roller skating, BMX bike racing, and flying disc events. So let's talk about each one of those events very briefly. And this is like all the other uh, Epics Games series where these are all basically, each event is its own mini game uh, that's tied together with a theme. And like I said, in this case, uh, it is that they all take place in California. The first event is the skateboarding half pipe event. Uh, right off the bat, this is a great event to start off with this game. Um, it's good and it's bad. And I will tell <laughs> so maybe it's not great. Um, the good parts about this is it has great music. Uh, it has great graphics. You can see the half pipe uh, in the foreground with your skateboarder. In the background, you have the Hollywood sign. So this really sets the stage for California games. Uh, there are a couple of sponsorship signs like Santa Cruz and Ocean Pacific. You have some palm trees. So it really uh, shows you, you know, that we are in California. Now, the bad part about the skateboarding halfpipe event is there are only three moves that you can perform. One is a kick turn, which means you ride up the ramp and you do a 180 and you come back down. And that is like uh, probably the most boring move in skateboarding. Uh, then there's an aerial kick turn, which means you do the exact same thing. You go up in the air, you do a 180 turn, and you come back down. Uh, and then there's a hand plant, which is you go up the ramp and you balance yourself on one hand and then come back down. Those are the only three moves. So, uh, you know, if you've played Skate or Die, if you've played 720, if you've played uh, and any modern skateboarding game, any of the Tony Hawk games or uh, uh, Electronic Arts Skate series, um, you know that, that skateboarding is all about a variety of tricks and not only just regular tricks, but modifying those tricks. So, uh, you know, uh, landing with one foot forward instead of the other one or, or uh, flipping your board one way versus the other. Those are all different tricks or, or modifications of those tricks. Uh, and so in this game, there's really only three tricks. 
Now, without the manual, you will not be able to pull off probably two of the three tricks. <laughs> if you don't read the instructions, you'll be able to do a hand plant because all you do is when you're going up the other ramp, uh, you just hold down the button and then you let go and then you, you magically read, you know, drop back into the ramp. But the other two moves, the 180, uh, kick turn and then the aerial kick turn. Uh, it's very specific the way you have to do the joystick. And if you don't, if you hold it too long or not long enough or not the right sequence, uh, then you will fall. And if you fall three times, the event is over. So, uh, it's actually a pretty difficult event. And that's why I say it may not be the first, uh, the best event to lead off the games because, uh, especially if you had gotten a, a copy of this from a friend or somebody and you haven't read the instructions, it's pretty difficult to figure out how to uh, pull those moves off. The next event is Footbag, which everybody in the world would call Hacky Sack, except for California Games. Apparently, Hacky Sack is uh, a trademarked <laughs> uh, item. And so this is not Hacky Sack. This is generic Footbag. When this event begins, you can see our character standing in front of the ocean. Uh, you may, if you watch, there's a seagull that flies overhead. Uh, and... Um, but, but, you know, again, you have this whole scene set that this is taking place in California. Uh, there are a series of moves that you can perform. Now, you don't necessarily, the game doesn't tell you how to perform these. Uh, again, they appear in the manual. But at the end of the uh, footbag event, it tells you how many of each of these uh, moves that you pulled off. And the list that it tells you is five in a row. And, and that's one good thing about this is based on the name, sometimes you can kind of guess how you would have to perform these moves. Uh, there's five in a row. There's a half axle, a full axle, and an axle foley, which is kind of funny. Axle foley being the uh, Eddie Murphy's character from uh, Beverly Hills Cop. You have horseshoe, double arch, dota, reverse dota, jester, dizzy dean, headbanger. Uh, I guess that's it, headbanger. And so the score shows you how many times you completed each one of those. And then you get, there's a bonus. Uh, for performing a variety of these moves and linking them together. So uh, if you just do, let's say, the headbanger is done by standing in place and just pressing the joystick up and your little guy jumps and you hit the, the uh, footbag with your head. So you could do the headbanger the entire time, but you wouldn't get that uh, variety bonus. And the variety bonus is worth a lot more points than just pulling off the moves. Um, and so your character, you can move left and right. When you are facing the screen, oh, you can also turn around to face away from the camera uh, by pulling down. So when you're facing towards the camera, you can move left and right much more quickly. When you're facing away from the camera, you take much smaller steps. Uh, and so some of the moves, like um, I believe like a half axle is done by um, uh, performing a move uh, facing the, the screen and then turning around and then kicking it again when you're facing away. Uh, if you manage to kick the footbag off the screen, uh, someone will throw it back on, <laughs> and then you press the button and, and restart. So uh, one thing about this one is it's very easy to do. Now, it may not be – I mean, when you look at it, you may think, I don't know what a Dota is or a Jester or a Dizzy Dean, you know, but – uh, you could still play this event without reading the instructions and knowing what all those things are. Also, that seagull that flies overhead, if you uh, 
time it just right and you jump up, you can launch the hacky sack up and hit the seagull and knock him out of the sky. And then there will be a uh, little thing down at the bottom that appears that says, you hit George. And uh, that is one thing about this game. And whenever you uh, like crash in, a, in an event or you know fail or do things like that, there are little funny comments that appear down at the bottom. Uh, so yeah, you hit George pops up down there. But that's a uh, footbag. The third event is surfing. Surfing is all about uh, jumping in and out of the water and uh, basically doing. 360 degree turns. I mean, that's that's basically surfing. If you uh, so you you use the joystick, you press left and right to turn your surfer left and right. If you hold down the button, you do a much tighter turn. So if you're you know towards the back of the curl of the wave, if you hold the button down, you can spin around much more quickly. Um, the key to jumping in and out of the wave is you must come back into the wave at the exact same angle. And so there are probably, think of it like a clock. Um, like if I were to say noon, one, two, and three o'clock, uh, I think there may be one extra degree in there. But basically, um, if you jumped, let me think about this. So if you, well, if you jumped off the top of the wave facing 12 o'clock straight up, you would need to come back down into the wave facing six o'clock straight down. So if you came left at one o'clock, you would have to come down at five o'clock, if that makes sense. Um, so the, your angle of reentry must be the exact same angle that you left in. If you don't, then uh, your little surfer guy crashes. Um, let's see. This event plays the wipeout music, uh, the song wipeout. So that's kind of fun. Uh, there is a time clock that is sponsored by Casio. And also there's a little scoring hut where the, the uh, judges sit and there are signs for Kawasaki and pro-am on the hut. So this game is very, um, a lot of sponsors in this game. So, uh, maybe they were trying to make more money that way versus, uh, in some of their earlier titles. Uh, you get more points if you're inside the tube that where the uh, water curls up over you. Uh, you can kind of like a skateboarder, you can curve up and down to gain speed. There are a few animals that appear there. Not only do we see the seagull, but um, sometimes if you crash or whatever, you'll see a dolphin stick his head out of the water. And there's also uh, a shark fin that will come up and you uh, will hear the theme from Jaws. Uh, this event lasts a minute 30, so it lasts 90 seconds, and if you wipe out four times during that time, uh, then uh, the event is over. This is a very easy event to compete in. Like the footbag event, you get more points for doing variety, so you literally can point your surfer to the right and I think just leave it and he will go for the entire time. Uh, you might have to go up or down a little bit to keep him from going off the top or bottom of the screen. But, um, you, of course you'll get, you know, basically no, no points, no score from the judges. So it's all about doing loops and jumping in and out of the water and stuff. And it's not really difficult. Uh, I think this is probably, uh, this and footbag are, are definitely very easy events, uh, to just pick up the joystick and play. The next event is roller skating, uh, and the first note I've written down here is that uh, this is my least favorite event of the game, and it is the equivalent of the running events in the other, uh, if you've played like uh, track and field or summer games where you just waggle the joystick back and forth. Uh, instead of shaking the joystick left and right, you must move the joystick in a semicircle motion. You go from top to the right to the bottom, and then to the right and back to the top, which kind of simulates that motion of roller skating. 
Uh, you are roller skating on a sidewalk, and I don't know who picked this sidewalk uh, as a place for an event because it's a terrible choice. There are cracks in the sidewalk that will make you fall. There are uh, occasionally you'll see grass growing up through the sidewalk, which will make you fall. If you touch the sand, you will fall. There are also puddles of water. Occasionally you will see shoes lying in the path. Uh, so you have to either jump those things or avoid them. Uh, you may have to duck. Sometimes you will see uh, beach balls fly at you, for example. You have to duck under those. Occasionally there are missing parts of the sidewalk. Really, whoever scoped out the sidewalk um, just did a horrible, horrible job. Uh, but you'll have to jump over missing segments of the sidewalk. And if you fall twice in this event, you are out. Uh, so first of all, it's annoying the way that you have to control the skater. I mean, you're rocking the joystick up and down and up and down. Uh, and then you're jumping over things. And whenever you jump, there's this slight little lag, you know, because, uh, the, the, the character kind of bends their knees and jumps. And I just really, I don't ever play this event. This is uh, probably my least favorite, definitely my least favorite event, uh, from California games. Um, it doesn't even really seem like an event. It seems like, um, like transportation, like if you're trying to get from one place to another, uh, you would you would be roller skating or whatever. Because there's no tricks that you're. The trick is don't fall and die. Um, and uh, I don't know. Not doesn't seem very fun to me. The fifth event is the BMX race, which uh, as a kid was my favorite event. And when I played this the other day, uh, it's not necessarily my favorite event anymore. I do like it. Um, but I was experiencing this just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of lag in playing this on an emulator. Now, when I played it on the real Commodore 64, it was fine. Um, but for some reason, it just seems a slight bit off. Now, um, when you begin, you, uh, well, the controls are very simple. You're riding on a dirt track from left to right. So you start on the top of a hill and you go down and it's not really a race as the game says. I mean, you are racing, but you're racing against the clock, not other bikers. Uh, and so to pedal, you press right. Now you don't hold right. You have to press right every time to pedal. So if you're playing this game, it's like this, right, 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 right. I mean, you're doing that the entire time. <laughs> so that part of it is a little frustrating. Um, and up and down moves you up, uh, like up moves you away from the screen and down pulls you back towards the screen. And, uh, while you have both wheels on the ground, if you press left, you'll start to do a wheelie. And then if you keep pressing right, 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 then you will ride that wheelie and your wheel will get higher and higher, but you can flip over backwards. So you have to be careful about that. Uh, the other control scheme is when you jump because there are ramps and little hills and things that you can jump. So to jump, you press the fire button, and once you're in the air, the four directions on the joystick will perform different tricks. Up does a tabletop, which is uh, kind of where you lay your bike over horizontal in the air. Down does a 360 spin. Left is a backflip, and right is a front flip. The front flip is very difficult to pull off in this game. Um, and then at the very end, you have to press the fire button to stop. Otherwise, you'll you'll keep going and you'll crash, which is a... An annoying. It, you shouldn't have to compete an entire event and then do something to stop. It reminds me of uh, the end of Karataka, where you can play the entire game, and if you uh, approach the princess in your fighting stance, then she will kick and kill you instantly. So you've literally played the entire game and been killed by the person that you were trying to rescue. So um, yeah, that that's um, at the end of the race. You have to press the button, or you will die. 
Um, there are lots of obstacles. There are little cow skulls and logs and tumbleweed and different things like that. Uh, lots of rocks. Um, there are only a couple of different layouts. Like the things, uh, like where the logs and the rocks appear are not really random. There's maybe two or possibly three different, uh, patterns where the things, uh, are placed so towards right towards the beginning of the track you'll say oh there's the rock here or it's not there and then you'll kind of uh be familiar with uh you know how the the track is going to be laid out uh like uh some of the other events once you have three you can either have three minor crashes which is like you hit a rock or a log or something or one major crash um and if you a major crash uh, is essentially you, you, where you break your neck. <laughs> so that, and a major crash normally happens when you are trying a forward or backward flip and you don't rotate all the way. And so you just land on your head. So one major crash and the whole event's over. Um, so the BMX one is really fun. I think when I was a kid for a while, I didn't know that there was an end. I thought you were just supposed to, I mean, because I would just crash, 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 and then that would be the end of the event. So, uh, but the, the goal is to get to the end in the least amount of time and try to set, um, those high scores. So, uh, like I said on the emulator, and of course there's a lot of, there's a lot of different variables, I guess you could say, because I'm playing it on an emulator on a PC, then full screen, and I'm using a USB adapter and then an Atari joystick hooked up to that. So I'm not exactly sure, but I, I was just getting just enough lag to where when you try to react to jumping over something or, you know, once you're in the air trying to pull off a trick, I just was having a hard time doing it. And uh, I wasn't sure if it was me, you know, getting older. <laughs> Or if uh, it was something with that setup, and so I went back over and played it on my real 64, and it was easier to do. So uh, just a little note of the differences between there. The last event is the flying disc. And the flying disc, again, most of us would call it a Frisbee, but Frisbee is spelled with a capital F. Uh, it is a licensed toy, and so this instead is the flying disc. But you will call it the Frisbee event, but they call it the flying disc event. Um the uh, goal of the flying disc event is you actually control two people. You're going to control the person who throws the flying disc, and later you're going to control the person who catches it. Uh, when you throw the flying disc, it kind of reminds me of the old control system that we used to have for uh, mm, like golf games. So you press left to start this little meter going, you press right to move it back, and then you press left to stop, and then that throws the Frisbee. So you're trying to get the right uh, angle and the right amount of speed to get it down uh, to where your other person is. Your other person is way, way, way off screen, like 10 screens away. So uh, you kind of, so the one person throws the flying disc, and you're kind of flying blind. Now there is a little, um, like a radar system, kind of like what you would see on a defender or something like that, uh, that's showing where the, where the disc is going. But, uh, you know, eventually when it starts coming down, uh, you have to time where your little person is. And so then, uh, all of a sudden you're controlling the person catching the flying disc and you may have to run to the left or to the right. Usually you're running to the right because the, the disc goes past your person and you run, uh, 
and, and you're not quite as uh, as fat, the disc can get away from you. So you have to really time that. Now, as the uh, catcher, you can press the button and dive and do a diving catch. And I think um, I'm not sure if uh, you could also jump straight up in the air and catch the uh, flying disc. And I'm not sure if those are worth different points or not. I think maybe they are worth different points. But um, uh, but that's the whole event is uh, you throw the flying disc from one side and then on the other side you catch it. Once you learn the timing, this is very easy to win every single time. Uh, so it's it's not difficult. And and once you learn the timing, it's also not fun. Um, <laughs> so those are the six events. And uh, like I said, each one of those is explained in the manual. Uh, at the end of the manual, there is a short uh, dictionary of terms. I'm not going to read all the definitions here, uh, but the terms are aggro, awesome, bio, dude, gnarly, like, radical, totally, and tubular. Now, what's funny is I would say almost all of these words, uh, I would say all of them except for aggro and bio, I used every day in the 80s, and I would say half of them I use today. I still call people dude, and I still describe things as being rad, uh, and I still say totally. I'm looking, and I still say like every other word. I don't think I use the word tubular anymore. I don't describe things as tubular. Uh, and I only say the word gnarly when I'm doing uh, my impression of uh, Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, gnarly! Agro, I don't think I ever said. The definition here is adjective. Uh, if you're a daredevilly dude, you'll go, quote, way aggro, executing aggressive moves on the ramps and waves of California. So I guess aggro is short for aggressive. That makes sense. And the other one is bio, short for bionic. You've got to be superhuman with aggro moves to be known as bio. I have never heard that. You know what's funny <laughs> is um, at work, I get stacked up with meetings hour after hour. I'll have a meeting, an hour-long meeting at 8, 9, 10, 11, uh, and they back up to each other. So uh, the, the beginning of every meeting or the very end of meetings, you may hear people drop off and they'll say, I need a bio break. Uh, and what that means is they need to go to the bathroom and get a drink before the next meeting starts. Uh, so when I see bio, <laughs> that's what I think. So, dude, you're totally taking a bio break. Yes, I totally am. And it's going to be gnarly and radical as I drop this down the tubular. So let's talk about uh, reviews of California games. California games was uh, very highly acclaimed across the board. There are very few people that did not like California Games, Computer and Video Game Magazine, uh, rated the game a couple of times. In October of 1987, they gave the game 10 out of 10. Uh, they later reviewed it again in a follow-up episode, December 1990, and they gave it 94% out of 100. Commodore User in 87 gave it 9 out of 10. Games Machine gave it a 92%. Your Commodore magazine gave it 10 out of 10, and Zap magazine uh, reviewed it three different times. Uh, they gave it 97%, they gave it 82%, and they gave it 95%. So this game uh, is definitely an A game. I mean, it definitely has an A average. Um, very, you know, fun to play. Great graphics of the time, great music of the time. Um, different ports of the game. California Games was not only a Commodore 64 title, it was released for 
The Amiga, the Amstrad CPC, the Apple II, the Apple II GS. Those are two different versions, by the way. Um, the Atari 2600, which is a kind of fun to play, embarrassingly fun version. Uh, Atari ST. It was released for DOS, the Sega Genesis, uh, Lynx, MSX, Nintendo, Sega Master System, ZX Spectrum, and the Nintendo Wii. Uh, I believe... The Commodore 64 version is great, but the Amiga and Atari ST and Sega Genesis versions look superb. I grew up playing both the Apple II and the Commodore 64 versions of this game, and I love both those versions. Uh, And I also played, uh, a friend of mine had a, I want to say it was a Tandy color computer, and we played California games uh, at his house quite a bit too. And so they're, they're all really good. Uh, I mean, there's, I don't know that there's, um, obviously the Atari 2600 version takes some liberties, but, uh, other than that, I just don't know that there's a, a bad version of this game out there. Um, the California games was ported to Java and released on mobile phones, uh, which is interesting. And, uh, there was talks of releasing it for the PlayStation three and the DS, um, but, uh, I don't know. I don't, I can't find that those were released, but the Commodore 64 version was released for the Nintendo Wii virtual console. Uh, it came out in Europe in 2008 and North America in 2009. So if you want to play California games with a, uh, Wii mote, there you go. Uh, now we'll talk a little bit about my personal memories of California games. As I've discussed on You Don't Know Flack and my blog and several other places, there were three fads uh, in the 80s that I definitely went through. The first one uh, was breakdancing, which would have been probably 1984-ish. And then I went through my ninja phase, and right when the ninja phase was ending is when the skateboard phase started. And that, for me, was probably 86 and 1987. So uh, California games hit right in the middle uh, of that for me. So this this game made a strong impact on me at the time. Uh, My buddy Justin and I were over at one of his friend's houses, his friend Mark. And when this game came out, he had just purchased it. And so we tried copying it, but um, the software, the Fast Hack'em and whatever other... uh, copy programs we had at the time would not copy uh, original Epic's games. And so we were, we were really jealous. And I think we had even borrowed his discs for a while to try to, like over a weekend, to try everything we could to copy this game. And and um, I would take my computer to Justin's house. So uh, one of us would, would load up, like practice the event or whatever, and just play the game while the other one was trying to copy it. But I remember spending a lot of time trying to do that and failing uh, miserable. So... Uh, I ended up finding uh, a copy of California Games on a long-distance BBS. Uh, I remember this very well. The BBS was named the Purple Dragon, and it was in California. Uh, That's one of the reasons why I remember it. Uh, California Games is two sides of a floppy disk, but the version that was there, which was cracked by Eaglesoft, was three disks. And it's because those disks are so full that uh, they didn't have enough room, I guess, for the, the... loader and their intro and everything 
on those discs. So if you download a cracked copy of it, you may find uh, a three disc. You may find it on three discs. And sometimes uh, the the disc that you boot is called uh, side zero, and then the other discs are still disc one and two. Uh, so I downloaded that game, uh, through legitimate means. I mean, calling long distance, I legit, I legitimately stole this game, uh, long distance. I remember, uh, this was probably, I don't remember if I was 1200 baud or 2400 baud at the time, but I remember it took, uh, I'm sure it took an hour maybe over an hour. I remember that uh, I had made a deal with my parents that I would pay the long distance bill for however long this took. And, uh, I remember that whatever I had to pay was close to the uh, price of the game. But the advantage was I had a copy, uh, of the game that could now be uploaded and, and, uh, sent to other people. And so, this was at a time where I was trading a lot of software. So you would say, hey, what do you have? What do you have? And this is what I have. And nobody believed that I had California games because nobody in Oklahoma had a copy yet. And so what I would do is send people that first disc, the one that loads up and says, hey, you're about to play California games uh, and, and you know, Eaglesoft, uh, the logo and all these things. And then I would say, now you send me your stuff. <laughs> so I would just send them enough to know that – so they would know I had the game, but they couldn't play it until they sent me something. And then I would send them the rest of the game. So that was probably uh, a little bit of dirty pool there. Uh, also, I was uh, 14, maybe 15 by that point. So, uh, But anyway, um, I played a lot of this game as a kid. Um, this was definitely my favorite of all the Epics games uh, type games. I don't know that it's my favorite. I would not say it's my favorite um, skateboarding game. And it's funny. I think of California games as being a skateboarding game, even though that's only one of the, the six events, you know, because I do like uh, skate or die better than this. And I, um, I don't know that I like the Commodore version of 720 better than this, but there are definitely some fun skateboarding games on the, on the C64 and the skateboarding event in this game is so limited with the, the three moves that, uh, I, I would be tough to say it's it's uh, my favorite. For graphics, I give California Games 5 out of 5 California Clubs. For music, I give it 5 out of 5. You have music in most of the events. You have it during the intro. All the music is really high quality, really good stuff. For sound effects, I give it 4 out of 5 just because there's a couple of events I, I think that don't have uh, very many sound effects, but it's still very, very good. Uh, like I said, I think this is the best epics game of this style, and not only does it capture the essence of these events, but it also captures that California spirit and that 80s uh, kind of mood with all the talk and everything. So, uh, But overall, I give California Games 5 out of 5 stars. It is very highly recommended. If you have not tried this game, uh, I definitely recommend that you give it a shot, whether it's on the Commodore or another system of your choice. Thanks again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. I know we had a little break in shows. I'm glad that you're back. The next game I'll be covering is 1984's Break Street by Creative Software. So if you'd like to play Break Street before the next episode is released, head on over to SpriteCastle.com, click the Downloads link at the top of the page, 
where you can find Commodore 64 emulators and all the games that have been reviewed on the show. If you'd like to send me feedback about this show or any show in general, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodore. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SpriteCastle or leave me a voicemail on my podcast hotline, which is 405-486-YDKF. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the SpriteCastle.com RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know Flack at podcast.robohara.com and Throwback Reviews at throwbackreviews.com. Both of these shows can also be found over at throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get back to Gleaming the Cube, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle.